Amen. You may be seated. He is worthy of our worship. Amen. He is worthy of our thanks and our praise. And I don't know what your Thanksgiving was like, but my guess is that even if it wasn't a a moment of Thanksgiving in the sense that maybe it's been a hard year, if you look to Jesus, there are still things to praise and to be thankful for. That our God is worthy of worship. And, and here's what I know, right? Like, because I'm one of those. Like, I'm one of those people that you get me in front of the right football team at the right time. And y'all, I know how to jump up out of my seat. I know how to yell. I know how to get into the game. And I just wonder how many of us today is that day of coming out from behind all the turkey, all the dressing, all of the games, all of the shopping to remember who this is really about that it's about him. And when we lift our eyes to him and we begin to worship him, life begins to take on new vibrancy, new meaning. He offers us the abundant life. And it's so exciting to be a part of. We're in this series, Kingdom Living, and today we're looking at what does it mean to choose Jesus's way? And, and you and I have choices all around us. You've made many of them. Some of you realize based on the way your pants are fitting this morning that you may have chose wrongly over the last few days. Anybody want to admit that? Okay. Others of you maybe picked the wrong team. Okay. I'm not even going to tell. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Okay. Some of you that know me, you know where I'm going with that. Others of you, it, it was like me this morning. It's a simple thing. My I had a different pair of shoes on before I left the house. Praise God, my wife woke up in time, right? And as I'm leaving early, she looks at me and she goes, someone's feeling festive. And I was thinking, well, what's wrong with these shoes, right? And she goes, you look like Elf's dad in the movie. (laughs) Now, you probably wonder, they, they were big and white high tops with a little bit of red in them, and I guess it was a little much. So, so it was funny because I brought this pair and that pair, and I put them in front of staff members this morning, and, and my wife won. She, she chose, and she, you know, she chose well, and I guess I didn't. And, and life is like that, right? Like there's all these choices, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. And, and it, when we look at the text today, Jesus puts in front of us three specific ways that we can choose him. And and as I dive into this with you, I, I hope you find comfort and encouragement in the fact that he first chose you. Because that's where all of this then flows out of. Because if we realize what it is and what it means that he chose us, we can then respond in choosing the things he has for us. You also will be challenged today because that's just what I believe God's word does. Amen? It, it, it meant, it's meant to encourage us, exhort us, and it's also going to challenge us. Let's get started in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and we're moving through, we've been moving through this since uh, September, early September. Uh, we're going to start in verse 7, and it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? 
If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is the first section and the first way that we're going to look at today. And before we get fully into this, I, I want to put a, a, what I would call like a $5 word in front of you. This isn't a nickel word. It's not a 10 cents word. This is a, a phrase, a word that's theological, it's doctrinal, and it means a lot to our lives. And it's so important to understand. It's the phrase prevenient grace. This idea of prevenient grace that, that there's actually this grace of God, this spirit of God that actually, as C.S. Lewis famously said, it's almost like the hound of heaven comes after you and I. There, there's this grace, the, the prevenient grace means it precedes conversion. It actually precedes that moment where you actually decide to, to receive Jesus who's already chosen you and is giving himself to you. Now, this is important, again, because if, if that is the grace in which God is working and, and moves in our life, then that same grace will allow us, as we walk with Jesus and follow Jesus, to continue to choose him. You see, religion would try to get us in a place where it's our flesh, our willpower, our strength, making the choice, making the decisions. But it's actually us surrendering our flesh and, and choosing Jesus' way through his grace that really begins to change us. Come on, church. Y'all need to wake up, right? So, so there's this prevenient grace that's there. Now, that precedes what comes next. And if you notice, that whole section I just read to you was about prayer. If you're taking notes, way one is just that. It's choosing prayer. Choosing prayer is something that leaves us in a place, allows us to be a people that are surrendered and dependent on the Father. And, and Jesus so f described this in such an amazing way, right? Ask, seek, and knock. That, that we are to be praying, we're to be pursuing, we're, be, we're going to, to the Father in prayer. And, and for some of you, that, that is something that you know this because you've seen what God does when you pray. You know that he's faithful. You know that prayer is powerful. You know that God is trustworthy. You know that he can answer. Amen? And when we ask and we seek and we knock, that's our part, but there's a much bigger part that I believe Jesus wants us to understand. It's the fact that when you're asking, when you're seeking, when you're knocking, part of the response is, coming because of who you are going to. You see, when you trust that he's good, when you trust that he's able, when you trust that he has good gifts to give to you, you will surrender your will and let go of the things you're asking for and instead receive the things he actually wants to give you. This is what he's talking about here is how much more does the heavenly father know how to give good gifts? It's funny, my, my kids, they know, uh, and, and uh, boy, I didn't think this one through. So I'm there, and if I ruin Christmas for your family, you are welcome to email uh, randym at pathwayvb.com, Okay. Because Santa has never come to my home other than to eat cookies and Christmas carrots and the stuff my kids put out for 
for him. Do you know why? I don't know where this came from, but when I, my kids were young, I have four children ages uh, 10 to 19 today, but when they were even younger and, and they had this, you know, desire to, to celebrate Santa, it, we, we tried to figure out how to navigate it. And here's, here's what I actually decided. I decided they'll never get a gift from him. Every gift that's ever been given in my home has been signed mom or dad. Because I want my children to know mom and dad know how to give good gifts. All right? Now, had we had fun with that along the way? Did they bring it up again this year? Like, dad, you're so goofy. Why did you do that? This is why. For some reason, early on, God laid it on my heart to make sure that my kids knew mom and dad gave really good gifts. He ain't getting credit for them. Some of you are, y'all good? I I, I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here. Because he said in that passage, right, that, that the heavenly father knows how to give good gifts. And if we believe that and trust that, we, again, will be surrendered to what he wants to give us. Some of you have played the game uh, this time of year. Sometimes when you have a gathering, you'll, you'll do what's called a white elephant gift exchange, right? And, and so you'll wrap up stuff. And depending on who you play that game with, you learn who's a good giver and who's actually out to get, right? Because in that, like, you can wrap up, maybe it's a $20 under gift, or maybe it's something random from your garage. Uh, it just depends, again, on the rules. And, and these, if you've never played, things get wrapped up, and they get placed around the tree, and nobody knows who gave it and what's, what's in there. And so you pick a gift. It's random based on the order chosen, the numbers. And, and when you pick out that gift, everyone else can make a decision on whether or not they want to steal that gift from you if they're the next person in line, or whether or not you get to keep it. And typically, those that choose first end up losing all the good gifts by the end, okay? Now, some of us play the game of life and play the, the, this idea of prayer in the same way, right? We, we almost feel like, well, if God gives me something, I got to hold on to it, and, and I can't trust that he's got something even more or better or greater to give us. And I'm just here to remind you who he is, that actually he sees not necessarily what you want, but what you need. You know, again, with our children, if my 10-year-old asks for a car for Christmas, they may want that, but dad knows something better, right? You ain't ready. You, don't, you can't even reach the pedals. You don't know how to navigate, especially in Vero, the driving right? And so it's like that with our heavenly father. He knows what's best for us. So I just want to encourage you that we want to be a people that are surrendered and dependent on him, that are willing to to go to him and to ask and to believe for what he has. Some of you have what I would call limiting beliefs. I just want to ask that question. What are those limiting beliefs in your life right now? Maybe they're coming from a place of pain or woundedness. Maybe they're coming from uh, bad theology. Where are those places in your life where you have some limiting beliefs that are actually keeping you from trusting God, surrendering to his goodness, 
being dependent on him. You know, limiting beliefs can be anything from, I, I don't know if he'll come through. I don't know if I can trust him. I can't trust anybody else. Why could I trust him? You know what those limiting beliefs are. And when you begin to, to understand what they are, you can bring them to God and say, God, forgive me. Strengthen my faith. Help me to rely on you and depend on you. David Banner, an author, says this. The English word surrender carries the implication of putting one's full weight on someone or something. It involves letting go. A release of effort, tension, and fear. And it involves trust. One cannot let go of self-dependence and transfer dependence to someone else without trust. You see, prayer does that for us. He, he goes on to talk about this placing the weight of everything on the Lord and then beginning as we surrender. It's like floating. That, that if you've ever, you know, and some of us, if we're honest, we float better today than we did a week ago. That was a joke. <laughs> I don't know, maybe you do. Go test it today, right? We got water all around us. But, but when you float, there's a letting go, Right? And if, if you've ever been in a situation like I was this past week, I took my, my younger two uh, to Universal. We, we bought an annual pass. We had to do the Florida thing this year. We're like, we're getting a Florida annual pass. And so we went to Universal and we're using that pass and enjoying all of the, the different things that it offers. And, and so there's a moment where we get on one of the, the log rides. And, and so it's myself and my two younger girls and there's two people behind us in this ride. And uh, immediately as the ride starts, one of the children uh, remembers from four years ago their traumatic experience on a similar ride. And so they go full out losing control, like just sobbing. And, and, and so here I am, the dad of the year, right? This is just the moment we're having. And so we're floating down and, 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 uh, and I can use her name because I already bought her ice cream and, and got permission. So, so Jasmine was having a moment, right? And so we're floating down and, and, and you can't make this up, right? We, we get to the top of the, the last drop and she's been just losing you know, her mind the whole ride. We get to the top and I've been kind of rubbing her shoulders and trying to help her. And, and, and the ride malfunctions right at the top, okay? So, so Elle, who's in the front, like is out over the edge of, of this and she's completely trusting and she's looking around like, hey dad, what's up? This is hilarious. And she's watching the technician scramble. And, and the guy behind me, it was priceless. He, he goes, wow, that could have worked out worse for her, <laughs> right? The one in front of me. And, and I sat there going like, Lord, this is how we often live our life, isn't it? We go kicking and screaming and, and freaking out. And God's just like, will you just trust me? Will you just let go? Uh, good news, uh, my daughter survived the ride. <laughs> You're going to survive whatever is happening in your life. God just wants you to trust him and to let go and to allow him to be the good heavenly father he wants to be. Now, for some of us, it's the presence 
of things in our life that are causing the fear, right? It's similar to Jasmine remembering a, a traumatic experience. You've been through things, and those things are actually designed by the enemy many times to try to push us further away from God when God's saying, I want to use that to bring you closer. This is my quote, presence and pressure are meant to deliver us from independence and isolation. That the things that you and I go through, the presence and the pressure of life, the different things going on, the the things that would trigger us and cause us to, to panic, those are actually meant to deliver us from independence and isolation. Let me share with you a scripture out of the Old Testament about prayer. God really laid this on my heart for us as a church family. If you're a visitor, this is for you too. I hope it speaks to you. But for our church family, I really believe God wants us to hear this today. Second Chronicles 7, verse 13 through 15. God has allowed in the text, there's all of these moments that are reminding the people that, hey, there are things wrong that have happened in your life and the life of the people around you. And then God says this, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, can you say humble? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Choosing Jesus' way means that we can hear something like that and say, God, forgive me for making it about me. Forgive me for making it about anything but you. We can repent and turn to him. And we can humbly say, God, we need you. We need you in our individual lives. We need you in our marriages. We need you in our homes. We need you in our community. We need you in our church. We need you in our state. We need you in our country right now. And Lord knows we need you in our world. And when a people begin to turn to him, and choose his way, you see, you have to remember, Jesus has chosen you. And you may have chosen Jesus, but have you chosen Jesus' way? Because we can believe in Jesus, but not necessarily live for Jesus. We can turn to him at conversion, but forget to turn to him in our daily life when he's saying, I'm here Will you turn to me? I want to pour out blessing. I want to heal. But you've got to humble yourself. That's what prayer does. Now, chapter 7, verse 12, one of the more famous verses, ideas. This has affected culture even today outside of the church. This is so familiar. Verse 12. This is way number two. It says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying what many of us would understand to be what? The golden rule. This golden rule is a positive at a time when many in that day and age, in Greek and Jewish thought, 
would have been taught it from more of a negative standpoint. Don't do this. Don't do what you don't want others to do to you. And as Jesus has done throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount, he's actually taking something that is familiar and he's raising the bar and saying, this is my way. So if you're taking notes here, choosing Jesus's way means that we're choosing the golden rule, which is a positive, right? And, and we want to be a people that love and serve and don't bite. Woo! Here we go. Y'all ready? Y'all, I came, I came with some meat today, right? It may not be turkey, but I came with some meat. You see, what Jesus is trying to get us to understand is that we're to be a people that maybe let go of how the world has treated us and actually treat the world like we want to be treated, but also because of how he's treated us. You see, the the shift for the Christ follower is to realize that maybe life hasn't treated you well. Maybe everything around you right now is inviting you to treat it like it's treating you. Anybody? Anybody else like to take a swing? Right? You, you feel beat up and you just want to... And, and, and the reality is this is, unfortunately, our modern American culture. It's not Jesus' way. We bite and devour and divide, we retaliate, we get revenge. When's the last time you're like, oh, not me, pastor. Really? You, you haven't had one of those moments where somebody looked at you and you had that thought in your head and you turned around and you bit them in the back or you defriended them on Facebook? Some of you Right? You, you cleaned up the last few days, right? And, and the reality is that Jesus is saying, no, no, when, you, when, when I chose you and when you chose me and we're now walking together, you're going to do it differently than everyone around you. You're going to treat people the way that you want to be treated, even if they're not treating you the way you think you deserve to be treated because guess what? In your hurt, in your woundedness, in your pain, in that space, God shows up and says, I got you. I, I've got you. I love you. I see you. I've served you. I'll continue to do that. And as I do that for you, you go out and do it for others. Can you imagine how different our world would be right now if the two billion or so Christians in our world live this way? Oh, it would be different, wouldn't it? This is part of the invitation from Jesus, is to choose this golden rule. To love, to serve, and to not bite. And you're wondering, well, where does the not bite come from? You see, you don't want to just look at a verse, if you're teaching on a larger principle biblically, it's good to look at other verses. Let me show you one. Galatians 5, verse 13 through 15. The apostle Paul, writing to the church in Galatia, says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. 
For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But, but, can you say but? But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. You see, part of this is realizing that God calls us to love and to serve and to not bite. And y'all, we're, we're really good at this, right? I love Southern hospitality. Bless your heart, right? Let me show you a picture of our, our family dog, which I have permission to share. Actually, it's, it's my daughter's dog. Yeah, I thought that would happen. Okay, isn't that so cute? It's actually my oldest child. It's my oldest daughter. It's her dog. Uh, this is Maeve. Say hi, Maeve. Okay, Maeve is uh, so cute. We love her. She's amazing. Maeve, inside of that cuteness, has some rugged independence. Let me show you another picture of Maeve. You, you see, she's part mountain goat or mountain lion. And uh, it has these funny ways of, of asserting her dominance and, and her desire. And so, so she can look loving, but she inside has a little bit of something we all have, right? No? Now, Maeve, being about 11 pounds, has learned in life how to protect herself. Let me show you this next picture of Maeve. <laughs> now, I would love to tell you that that is an uncommon sight. But Maeve's got a bite. And we see those teeth almost daily. And she lets us know where the lines are, where the boundaries are. Poor little girl, she's 11 pounds in a home with six of us plus my niece. There's seven of us, right? Two turtles as well. We'll get a partridge in a pear tree later. But I just, as I'm laying this out, wondered how many of you, if we can go back to the first picture, Oh, you, got, you look it, right? You look that part that you've chosen Jesus' way. And, and yet inside, next picture, you've got a little bit of that rugged independence and God's trying to break it down. Say, no, surrender, trust me, depend on me, love like me. And then if we're really honest, there's many of us that this next picture, oh yeah, you got a little bit of that bite going on too, don't you? See, the beauty of, we can move that picture <laughs> The, the beauty of what Jesus wants us to remember is, listen, in all those places, he wants to show up and help us to choose him, to choose his way, to be a people that are loving and serving and not biting one another, not devouring one another. And it is not easy because the world around us is often presenting something to us that's the opposite. And, and this is what he says next. This is the third way, right? So we have way one is choosing prayer. Way two is choosing the golden rule to, not, to, or to love, to serve, and to not bite. And then way three, can you say way three? Way three, way three is actually the narrow road. It, it's in the middle of a world that's opposite of everything else going on. It's this narrow gate that Jesus lays out for us. That we are to be a people that are saved and sanctifying. Some of you have heard that saying, I'm saved and sanctified. Theologically, in the big picture you are, 
But Mr. or Mrs., ma'am or sir, whatever you are, you're being sanctified daily. That's part of the narrow gate. It's part of the narrow way. Let, let me read to you what Jesus says in verse 13 and 14. And this, these will be the last couple of verses we look at from the Sermon on the Mount today. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This reality is one that Jesus lays out that he is this narrow gate. That he in fact saves us and calls us through himself to live a life that is entirely different than everything else around us. That, that in fact, in John 10, 10, it says that Jesus came to give life and life abundantly and that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. That, that yes, there's this narrow gate that we enter through and, and you need to hear this loud and clear if you're confused on are there many paths or many ways to God. The answer according to scripture and according to Jesus is there is not. That there is one way and it's Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus in fact said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying that there's a world that's going to tell you that there's all these different paths and this broad gate and many different ways. And he's saying, no, hear what I'm saying. I'm it. He loves you. He chooses you. But then there's a moment where we have to say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we receive him as our Lord and Savior. That's when we're saved. That's when scripture teaches us that spirit gives birth to spirit, that we become a new creation. That's what baptism is all about, is celebrating the regeneration of a life that was lost and dead and dying and on the path to destruction. As you go under the water, you're saying, that, that was me, that's it. And as I come up from death to life, it's symbolically saying, Jesus is my way forward. Jesus has saved me. Jesus is who I live for. Jesus is what I'm all about. And hopefully, hopefully, if you haven't made that decision today, you will make that decision. Scripture says that today can be the day of salvation. The day that you say yes to Jesus and the fact that he is the way. You can keep searching. You can keep looking. You can try to find another way. But ultimately, it's all going to come back to every religion. Every other world religion does not give an assurance of salvation, nor give a clear path to whatever it views as eternity. The only religion that does is Christianity through Jesus. He's it. He's what you're missing. He's what you need. He's what you're looking for. And he loves you and has a plan for you and wants to invite you to come through the narrow gate today. Now, as we choose that narrow gate, what did Jesus say? That, that there's also a broad gate and a gate to destruction. 
a gate that has many other things going on. Uh, some of you know that uh, for seminary, I, I went to a, a school on the West Coast in Pasadena called Fuller. Uh, that's where I did uh, my graduate work. And uh, it was such a gift to be, be out there to visit and, and then to you know, enjoy that for a couple weeks at a time. But every time I was there, I always was tempted to want to get out and explore. And, and y'all, I'm from a small town. Okay, uh, literally where I grew up, there was one blinking stoplight and we didn't have a McDonald's at the time of my, me living there. Some of you were like, how is that even possible? Right? It was 30 miles to the nearest one. So you, you put me out in like the, the Pasadena LA area and there's a lot of cars and traffic and things going on. It, it's a very broad way. And in many ways, I'm like, whoo. I don't know if I can make it out here. I don't know if I can drive in these conditions. So there, there was some times I tried it. One of my best times was at three in the morning. <laughs> there was nobody out there. It was awesome. But there was this one time I had a friend that, that was from the area. He was actually on the board of the seminary and, and spent a lot of time out there. And, and he picked me up and he said, hey, I want to take you up north a little bit further to Malibu. I want you to experience it. And, and I'm thinking, man, the traffic midday, how are you going to pull this off? And, and I was a little nervous because I'm like, if I'm behind this wheel, this isn't going to go well. And so he knows exactly what he's doing. He zips in and out of traffic. He chooses roads that are not on the GPS, that are roads that, that, that look like it would take longer, but actually were the right way. And, and we got there in record time. It was an incredible afternoon and evening. And I look back at that and I go, that is exactly what Jesus is saying. That listen, you can get out on the road by yourself, you can get out and try to make it happen and do it your way. Or you could get into the car with the one who knows. Because he don't want to be your co-pilot. He wants to take the wheel. And he wants to show you the way and take you out of all of the destruction down a narrow way. Now here's the thing. That narrow way, it will require some sacrifice. It will require believing that he's good, loving him and following him, even when you don't necessarily understand it. The late Dallas Willard said it this way about the narrow gate. He said, the narrow gate is not, as so often assumed, doctrinal correctness. Now, I want to be clear, doctrine matters, but there's something deeper and larger. He says, the narrow gate is obedience, and the confidence in Jesus necessary to it. We can see that it is not doctrinal correctness because many who cannot even understand the correct doctrines nevertheless place their full faith in him. Moreover, we find many people who seem to be very good and correct doctrinally but have hearts full of hatred and unforgiveness. The broad gate, by contrast, is simply doing whatever I want to do. Woo! Church, let me remind you what Paul said in Galatians 2, verse 20 and 21. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, 
and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. You see, this choosing this narrow gate, choosing this way of being saved and sanctified means that as we come into relationship with Jesus and we allow him to begin to orchestrate our life, to begin to order our steps, that there's gonna be moments where you trust his love, you trust his plans, and you deny your flesh, you deny yourself, and you say, not my way, but yours, not my will, but yours. God, have your way. Church, I believe if we embrace this, there is something God is going to do in your life and the life of our church that is going to change, not just what we get to experience here, but how we show up out there, how we make a difference in our world. The world is getting increasingly dark, as many of us know, but if we'll choose Jesus' way, we will be the light that brings that darkness into submission to Jesus Christ. So let me ask you three questions today for next steps. Two questions. The first is, will you choose Jesus' way today? I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know if it's a moment of saying, Jesus, I love you, I need you, I've never confessed you as Lord and Savior. Maybe that's your starting point today, to realize who he is, what he did for you, and that you can show up to church, you can sit in the chairs, you can watch online, but until you make that decision for you, you aren't saved. And Jesus would love nothing more than for you to respond to him today. For some of you, it's choosing one of those three ways, or maybe it's all three. Maybe the invitation today is to say, I need to choose prayer. I need to choose the golden rule. I need to choose the narrow gate. And in that, to be the person God's calling you to be. This is a great time of celebration and thanksgiving and heading in to giving gifts to others and maybe even reflecting on what do we want to be different in 2024. What if it all began right now by choosing Jesus' way? Saying, I'm going to quit fighting you. I'm going to quit trying to do things my way. I'm going to choose you and what you have. So that's the second question. Which of the three ways do you need to focus on right now? And maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's all three. I trust that the Lord has been speaking through his word, that that there's something God is stirring in your heart. And I just want to pray for you. Pray for you as I've prayed for myself leading into this. This is a message that, that has been burning in me because I realize how many times I'm tempted to say I've chosen Jesus but to choose Brian's way. And I just want to be a people that keep choosing his way. Amen. Amen. Father, we come to you and thank you and praise you for your love and your grace. We thank you that, God, you first chose us, loved us, have served us, that you gave of yourself that we could know you. Father, whether it's online or in person, If there's anybody that has not made that decision yet to receive you, scripture says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we will be saved. 
So may today be their day of salvation. May they respond, pray, and receive you as their Lord and Savior. And Father, we celebrate with all of heaven all those that are making decisions. Father, we also come to you and acknowledge and humble ourselves and confess that we often choose our own way instead of yours. Father, teach us to be a praying people. Teach us to live by the golden rule. Teach us to follow you through that narrow gate because that's where we'll find life and life abundantly. Father, thank you for your hand on pathway. Thank you for your hand on your people and what you are doing. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God a hand for his word? His word is always so good and so on time. And uh, today is a special day because as we celebrate and and honor somebody uh, and his wife who have chosen Jesus' way for 45 years, we get to honor and celebrate Pastor Doug and his wife, Alice. We announced about a month ago, at the beginning of the month, that in fact, Pastor Doug approached me about a year ago to begin processing and praying together uh, about his, uh, what he was feeling, the sense of God leading him into a different season, retiring, uh, not, not being released from pathway per se, but, but released from the role. And, uh, you know, as we've walked through the last few weeks, many of you have poured out love and, and thanksgiving already. And uh, there actually is something that we felt led to do as a leadership team and board, which is there. If you go to pathwayvb.com slash Doug, there's an opportunity to give through a GoFundMe. Uh, we have a goal of uh, $10,000 to bless them with and would invite you to be a part of that. Amen. Now, what we're doing today, we've got a video that we're going to play here in a second that is going to uh, honor and celebrate them. Um, we give all glory, and I, you need to know this. This is probably one of the more uncomfortable moments, I'm guessing, for Doug. If you know Pastor Doug, his heart is all about Jesus, and uh, yet Scripture also tells us to honor those that, that are called to labor. So, so we give all glory to the Lord, but we're going to honor Pastor Doug and Alice today, amen? So we're going to play the video, then they're going to join me. And uh, we'll have a few words and pray together. And then we've got a reception and uh, celebration set up in the cafe to close today. Amen? All right. As we get ready to play this video, we have a little surprise for you guys. All the way from France. Hello, Pathway. Dad, Mom, uh, so thankful to share a moment with you guys on this morning. Um, uh, 35 years in ministry is incredible and over 50 years um, in total, I know, and uh, the Lord has been good. Rebecca and I and the kids uh, so wish we could be with you, um, but at a distance, we are still giving thanks to the Lord for his faithfulness to you, and uh, we see that. That is evidence that he has been the faithful one, and uh, I know both of you would want it to be said of you that you are not so marvelous, but that you serve a marvelous God, and I think that's why we gather every Sunday, is for, exactly for that. And, um, John the Baptist probably said it the best when he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He must increase, I must decrease. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. And I think, I know that that is something the Lord has done in each of you increasingly. 
as you walk with him longer and longer, your desire for um, him to increase and for you to decrease. And from the very, my youngest of years, I remember um, you guys telling me, specifically, Dad, these words, um, walk with the king today. Super simple, but it's, it's stuck with me over many years that your desire for me to walk with him, constantly pointing me to him, the goodness of Jesus Christ, and that's what we're celebrating. Um, his faithfulness to Doug and Alice vote, but also the faithfulness of God uh, as a good savior. And so I'm so excited for that. As you finish this portion of your race and move on to the next portion, um, the Lord will continue to be good. We love you guys. Bye. We, we love, love you, We're thankful for you. We miss you. Thank you for loving the church. We love you. I can't wait for you to come to our house. I want to come to your house to swim in your pool and come in your swing. We love you and miss you. Wish we could be there with you. Lots of hugs from all of us. Bye.
Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this is a little strange for me to mention this thing first, but my grandson was wearing a Michigan shirt. I don't know if you caught that. In that one picture, he was wearing Michigan. Uh, just had to mention that. Um, thank you so much. Oh, man. Oh, man. I had no idea. We were going to see all those great pictures. Whew. Wow. This has been a month-long celebration. I had no idea it was going to be a whole month, but we're grateful to God. You know, when we first came here, uh, we had left another church movement, and we were very happy with that movement, but God clearly led us to Pathway Church. Uh, we just knew he confirmed that over and over. We had such a peace about that. Uh, never looked back. We hit the ground running and probably ran too much, or too fast sometimes. But uh, what, what joy. And your, your graciousness, your desire to honor us and celebrate with us, it's overwhelming, but we're so grateful to God. He's been so good, so, so faithful, so faithful. To God be the glory. And I think my son, <clears throat> you want to talk? <laughs> I think my son summed it up so, so beautifully. I couldn't say it better than what he said, but we're grateful. We love all of you, and we look forward to chatting with many of you in the cafe in just a few minutes. But thank you, thank you for the uh, privilege the honor of serving our Lord and you. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Whew. Uh, three years ago, I can remember hearing Doug's story, and you may have caught it in the video, but his first role here at the church, he, he had been pastoring in another movement, as he said. His first role here at the church was actually uh, on the custodian staff. And then God began to move and progress, and he was back into pastoring. But I remember at the time going, I've never heard a story like that. Yeah. Uh, to watch for three years how you have continued to humbly live that out, servant leadership, willing to do whatever the Lord asked you to do, uh, that is choosing Jesus' way as we talked about today. And uh, I honor that in both of you. And uh, Alice, I can't imagine the stories you have uh, from behind the scenes, but uh, we are just so thankful. And uh, there are many that are going to come into the cafe and celebrate them today. Amen. Right now, we're just going to pray over them and uh, then release them to the cafe to greet you. And uh, then I'll do our, our closing comments. Sound good? All right. If you're comfortable, stretch out your hand. We're going to go ahead and pray for them. Father, thank you so much uh, just for lives that are well-lived and leadership that reflects your heart. God, I thank you for the journey of them, as was said, following the king, being faithful to you. Father, we thank you that there is so much more, I believe, that you have ahead for them in a different season, in a different, with a different look, but all the same looking to you. So, Father, I just pray blessing over Pastor Doug and Alice and their, uh, their extended family as well, God, in different parts of the, the world, literally now, as they serve you. Uh, thank you for Chris and, and his missionary heart and family. 
Uh, God, we just ask that this family would continue to glorify you and thank you for the many years that they have done that so well here at Pathway. Uh, God, we celebrate you in them and we thank you for who they are and how they've served us so well. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 All right. So <laughs> we'll... Uh, we're going to let them head over to the cafe. I'd encourage you to head there. Uh, next, uh, I'm going to just let, let us, we're, I'm trying to like stall for a minute to give them a little time. So well, you can just stand. And uh, if you're a visitor, we want to invite you to come out to our welcome center. We've got a gift. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, man, you all got up really slow today. Was that the Thanksgiving turkey? That was amazing. Uh, if you're online, connect with our chat host. Uh, a lot of times we will offer prayer up front as a part of the end of service and responding. We are going to do that now, meaning I'm going to pray over you one last time, kind of give you the benediction, uh, the sending. But if you would like somebody to pray with you, if, if there's something you need to process, we'll stay up here and available. The rest of you, go give high fives and hugs. Celebrate Pastor Doug and Alice. Amen? Lord, we uh, thank you. We thank you again for who you are and what you have done. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the chance to be in your presence and worship you. God, I pray that you would be who we choose this week. May we choose you. May we see you move through your people. As we surrender, as we love, as we serve, as we follow you. Father, I pray for those making decisions that, Father, you would protect them from the enemy, that you would guard their hearts and minds, and that you would continue to show your faithfulness and goodness to them. God, we thank you for what you are doing. I pray blessing as we go to be your church. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Go now and be the church. Have a great week.